Welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 71. My name is Adam. Today we're joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay as well. Today we've got a great show lined up. First we'll be speaking with director David Bitten on his new film, Chess Boxing, The King's Discipline, which is our Kickstart Sunday project of the week. Then we'll be talking about some of what we've been watching uh, going into two feature reviews of uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel and Seth Rogen's This Is The End. Then we'll be ending it off with some predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First up, let's have a chat with David Bitten on his new documentary, Chess Boxing, The King's Discipline. David, thanks for being on the show. Let's just jump right into it and talk about Chess Boxing, The King's Discipline. Let's start off by maybe telling the listeners what chess boxing is and how it got its start. Well, uh, it's pretty much what it sounds like. Uh, chess boxing is a sport that was invented uh, back in 2003 by a uh, Dutch performance artist named Ieper Rubing. And um, it's basically just alternating rounds of chess and boxing in a boxing ring. So you have your uh, your competitors, they get called in like, a, like at any kind of boxing or wrestling match that you would see. And uh, they climb into the ring. There's a chess board sitting there. And they sit down. They play chess for four minutes. Uh, the bell rings. They take the board out of the ring intact. Uh, and the fighters put on their boxing gloves, box for three minutes. And then um, if there's no winner, they keep going back and forth until you have a, a winner by checkmate or knockout. And also the chess is timed. So uh, each player has up to 12 minutes on their clock. And if you run out of time, you lose. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess it got started, like I said, uh, by the Dutch performance artist Ieper Rubing. And uh, he uh, got the idea from a comic book uh, by Enki Bilal, who's a fairly well-known uh, graphic novelist and filmmaker. And uh, he created the concept for chess boxing in uh, one of his comic books back in 1992. And uh, so Ipa saw this and uh, he, he thought it would be like a really cool... Uh, thing to put on, and then as he was doing it, he realized how difficult it actually is, and uh, that it would actually make great sport. And so he's he's been promoting promoting it as such ever since. I think that it's a, it's such an interesting and weird concept. To, to <laughs> I mix. know, right? But at the same time, it just it feels like it kind of fits together. You know, you have like you're you're testing your your physical endurance and strength with your mental endurance and strength and i think that i just i'm wondering what it does to you mentally when you're trying to focus on playing chess after being pummeled in the face for like three minutes well from what i hear i've, I've only done a, a one training session like i actually uh uh, after two, two and a half years of filming, like every time I would go to the clubs, I'd be like, oh, I have to film. I have to film what's going on. I can't do a training session. I have to film. That was my excuse for not wanting to get in the ring. But uh, I finally uh, stepped up. I was like, okay, I've got enough footage. I'm here in London. All right, let's do it. So uh, I, they kind of kicked my ass. <laughs> um, uh, not physically, well, physically, I guess, but I was, um, I, I, they do like a bit of a circuit train where you like, you know, you're skipping rope and doing all that stuff. I actually found the this, this skipping rope probably the hardest thing to maintain, <laughs> but, uh, 
Um, but yeah, I didn't make an ass of myself. Apparently, we, you know, I was punching, punching the bags and everything. And my form was all right for a first timer. And uh, I got in the ring, uh, did like a little sparring session. No, I, I uh, stipulated no hits to the head. <laughs> I want to keep my face pretty. And uh, and then uh, yeah, we got out of the ring and played chess. And I'm not a good enough chess player to see how it actually affected my game. Um, I think it would suck either way. But from what I hear, from what the the guys have told me. Um, is that the hardest thing is it's not so much getting punched in the face because when you're when you're boxing the adrenaline's pumping so much that you, you don't even feel the punches so much it's only afterwards where you mm -hmm. realize oh my face is three times bigger than it was before <laughs> and bleeding but uh, when they they sit down to play chess it's that all that adrenaline is kind of uh, antithetical to playing a good game of, of chess you, you you have to sit and actually think things through properly rather than um, acting really fast which is gonna make you make bad moves, which is why the first couple of moves in, a, in a, the chess round of the chess boxing match are usually pretty crap. So, uh, yeah. So, Kevin, you're, you're a big fan of chess, right? Is this, uh, is this something you could get, get into? Uh, I'm, I am a fan of chess. I'm not a fan of getting punched in the face. <laughs> so what about I'm... getting punched in the face while playing chess? Yeah. What's that? What about watching people getting punched in the face while playing chess? That I could probably get behind. <laughs> Yeah, I that's, get behind that. I I definitely want to see one of these. Uh, just because it sounds so, it sounds so amazing. I just <laughs> I just I have to see it now. How many people are currently? Let's talk about like the the are they leagues? Is that what they're considered? Uh, well, they call themselves organizations or associations. They're um, yeah, I I guess the name it's it's essentially a league, but uh, it's it's a an association of different uh, clubs around the world who are each sort of doing their own thing but are are either like falling under a, an umbrella organization now how many how many um, boxers or players are there in in this like organization so far um, the numbers kind of vary if you go by like there's the people who train on a regular basis and then there's the people who actually compete and people who actually compete, I mean, in the past few years, you can count maybe uh, 30 people, 40 people tops. Um, but uh, the people who train regularly in Berlin, there's a fairly strong following of maybe, um, you know, 20 to 30 people, uh, I think, a, a day per class. Uh, they have five, five days a week classes. And in London, it's once a week, and they have maybe a good 20 people who come. And so... Um, those are the big epicenters of chess boxing worldwide. I mean, the numbers—it's—it's it's hard to count, but um, probably in the in the two hundred range. So this this is kind of a worldwide thing that's that's starting to catch on. I mean, there's you have um, Berlin, Los Angeles, London, and I think in your video you said that there were there were um, organizations like cropping up pretty much all over the world at this point. Yeah, there's a lot of little clubs popping up, and uh, there's there's one that started in Shanghai recently, and uh, even in Iran, actually, there's an Iranian chess boxing club now. And uh, yeah, there's clubs in Italy, and um, guys in Australia, Sydney, um, there's a New York chess boxing club. There's you know, like a lot of little clubs that are cropping up. There's the Siberian chess boxing club, which is actually... Uh, They've been around for a little while as well. Um, I've met some of the guys there, and they're, they'll be in the film too, but uh, I haven't been able to, to make it all the way out there. But it, mm -hmm. it seems like they're, the Russians are particularly well-suited to uh, chess boxing because they, 
they they breathe and and sleep chess and boxing i think when they're not playing chess i think they're fighting each other so um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's it seems to be spreading a lot, and there there are people. I guess the people who I'm focusing on in the film are the ones who are making a concerted effort to spread the word about chess boxing and and make it a, a bigger thing. And they're this they're trying to kind of recruit the smaller clubs that are that are popping up now. Now let's let's go ahead and talk about the film itself. Um, maybe you could just give us an overview of what you plan to do, what your vision is for the film. Right. Um, well, yeah, so for the past three years, I've been tracking the, the, the development of the film in uh, Berlin, where it was invented, and then London, where it's, it's been most popular in the past couple of years, and um, in L.A., where they're kind of doing a separate thing. Um, and uh, I've been following it. Um, basically, I've been trying to um, track what these three people are, are doing with the sport, how they see what the sport can be and what they're trying to turn it into and so um yeah it, it my vision is basically just to show what these guys are doing and to try to understand what at at its root chess boxing is um because it started as an artwork as performance art it it, it ended up now it's it's they're trying to make it a a professional uh, a league on broadcast television and all these things and so and then there's this guy in Los Angeles who's doing things with charity work and he sees it as more of a charitable thing and there's been talk that chess boxing can be used to help uh, children manage their aggression like bullies so that they they're not lashing out at people um, and uh, so I, I just want to kind of show all these things going on um, while telling a, a great story about how um, how the, about the genesis of the sport and, and where it's going to end up going, basically. It just seems like uh, something that could really find a, a niche audience and could really catch on. It just seems like it's the type of thing that, that should just grow to me. Well, that's the thing about it is I think it, it has this weird appeal about it where, I mean, it happened to me um, where when I, I first saw it, it was in a newspaper article here in, in, in uh, Canada. And um, I saw these two guys sitting at a chessboard in a, in a boxing ring and shirtless and sweating. And one of them, his arms were raised in victory. And my brain just couldn't process what I was looking at. I was like, what is this? And, uh, and I'm personally attracted to that kind of thing where I'm like, I, I can't really understand what it is I'm seeing. And so I read the article and instantly I was like, okay, I got to make a documentary about this. Uh, if nobody else is doing it, then it's going to be me. And um, so uh, I think what it does, I've been trying to figure out, okay, what was that initial reaction? Like, why did I have that and what attracted me to it? And I think it's just the, the fact that chess and boxing are so well known. They're like, everybody knows chess and everybody knows boxing, almost like the world over. And there's something about um, putting them together because people have an image of what a chess player looks like and what a boxer looks like. And so putting them together creates this kind of schism in people's brains and they're unable to, to kind of imagine the person who would be able to do both well. And so for a lot of people, they'll laugh at it and they'll be like, oh, that's ridiculous because it, it, it doesn't fit into these boxes I have in my head. And other people will just see it as for what it is. And it's like, oh, wait, this is training your mind and training your body and this is really cool. And uh, so it speaks to certain people immediately and to other people, I think it needs that little nudging to, to let them have, uh, give it a second chance, you mm -hmm. know, because it, it's easy to dismiss because it sounds silly, 
But I think when you think about it, it actually, and you see it work, you know, when you see people doing both, then it, it actually changes pre people's preconceived notions about it. And I think that's where its power is, is that it has that validity to it when you give it a second thought and why it's not just kind of a fad, you know? Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, let's talk about some of the perks or incentives that you have going on this uh, Kickstarter project. So maybe you can highlight some of the specific perks that, that you want to want people to, uh, to take a look at. Sure. Um, well, I've got some like basic stuff. I got some cool uh, baseball caps and uh, T-shirts that I've designed for the for the project. Some of them are, are specific to the Kickstarter campaign. Um, There's some beautiful photographs. There's like the the uh, official uh, photographer for London Chess Boxing. He's been he's been kind enough to offer some some great beautiful prints uh, that you can get. And uh, there's some really fun stuff like uh, getting. Uh, at a London chess boxing show, first of all, you can get free tickets to a, to a show or VIP season tickets if you're in London. Um, you can get called into the ring and uh, play uh, some games of speed chess against your favorite chess boxer. You can get called into the ring as though you're a chess boxer and have your ring entrance to your favorite music. And uh, then you can call in the next chess boxers uh, as though you're the, uh, the uh, ring announcer for the night. And so you can get your uh, your most bombastic uh, voice on and uh, <laughs> on that way. And um, uh, then the 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 more interesting, well, more interesting. There's there's some uh, other really exciting stuff in that the creator of chess boxing, uh, Enki Bilal, um, he donated. He he hasn't really thought about chess boxing for the past twenty years since he created it in his comic book. And now that it's picking up as a sport, he he's decided to revisit it. Um, in a series of paintings, and he has auctioned off these paintings. They've they've sold for over one and a half million euros um, at auction, and uh, he was kind enough to to donate three uh, lithographs um, signed um, of one of these paintings that is called Chess Boxers with Black Horse, and um, you can get one of those. Uh, that's one of our top prizes. So uh, so yeah, that's a really unique thing that you can only get here. Yeah, and that's a really good. That's a really cool looking lithograph too. It's, I took yeah. a look at that. Yeah, no, I was really. Uh, I'm, I was really glad when when he agreed to do that. It was really wonderful of him, and uh, I think it's a, a a chance to get something really unique and a and a wonderful part of uh, chess boxing history. Thanks again, David. Be sure to check out the Kickstarter page and donate. We'll have the link in the show notes as well as the Kickstart Sunday section of FilmPulse.net. The more we can contribute, the the better the better this film will be. So thanks very much. Let's go ahead and get into some of what we've been watching. I think Kevin will start it off with you this week. Mm, starting off with me, huh? I only saw two films. One of which was oh, it's a long title: "The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford." Yes, finally saw Andrew Dominic's film. And I, I heard that it was really good. I heard a lot of good things. But since I was so disappointed with Killing Them Softly, I thought, oh, it can't be that good. It's probably decent. And you uh, wrong. I was wrong. Dead wrong. This, yeah, this movie told me to shut face. Because <laughs> this movie was fucking amazing. It was, I, it's a bit slow at mm, times. Yeah. But it's so beautiful looking that you don't care. It could have been six hours long. I, I, would, I wouldn't have cared at all. I mean, the cinematography by Roger Deakins is just stunning. It's absolutely amazing. And the lighting. 
holy shit, the lighting in this film is damn near perfect. I think it is perfect, actually. I'm going to go ahead and say perfect. Nice. Yeah. I've been meaning to, to revisit this movie. I haven't seen it since it was since it came out. And I remember <laughs> like watching it thinking, oh, man, because I think it had a really long run time, didn't it? Yeah, I... I can't remember exactly and what it was. I remember I it's like two and a half hours. I remember seeing the runtime and being like, "Oh man, I don't know, I don't know about this." But of course, I was blown away by it. I was like, "This this movie's amazing." Yeah, it's it's two hours and forty minutes. Yeah, it's almost it's almost a three hour film. Yeah, so it's, it, that, that's what I I had the sort of the same reaction. When I saw the runtime, I was like, oh, my goodness. Plus, it's about Jesse James. It's like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. But, again, amazing. Absolutely beautiful to look at. And, I don't know, do you think Robert Ford's a coward? I don't do, know. Do I think he's a coward? I don't do know. Do you think he's a coward? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Definitely thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. Now... You liked uh, you like Chopper, right? Um, yeah, I I pretty much don't remember anything about it to, at this point now. I remember so I remember renting it on VHS. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I remember. Chopper <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh, on VHS, and I I remember because I think it was Hollywood Video had those types of cases where the, it was like the the paper. VHS case, you know, the slide case, <laughs> and it, it had that like plastic shell over it that you'd have to pinch and the VHS would slide out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Memories. <laughs> Memories. Those are the random things I remember. Memories. Unbelievable. VHS. Chop on VHS. <laughs> People should do that. Little trip down memory lane. Uh, the only other film I saw was If, which is from uh, 1968, Lindsay Anderson movie with uh, Malcolm McDowell. Uh, and this is, you know, it takes place at a boarding school, like a private school in England. And Malcolm McDowell and like a small group of his friends, they're sort of, you know, counterculture type kids. And they start rebelling against the school. And of course, you know, the school's very strict. Uh, and this is one of those... Um, of course, being the 60s, it's one of those films where it's like the really long buildup where like nothing really happens until the very, very end. And normally I love that. I love the buildup. But here it just the buildup wasn't engaging whatsoever that I just I was completely bored. Now, the ending was awesome. It blew my mind. It just sort of shocked the direction they went with it. And I can definitely understand the, why people were so disturbed Back in 68. Hmm. I mean, this has an X rating. Uh, and it's very shocking. Very shocking ending. But like I said, the build-up. I mean, this is 111 minutes long. And nothing happens until like the last like 15 minutes, maybe. 10 minutes. So everything before that, you know, it's just build-up. But it's so boring. That, I mean, you really don't care that much by the time you get to the ending. Mm. And, number, and it, I mean... A big thing too is there's no, there's no like beautiful cinematography to look at. Everything's just bland. And he he does this thing where he skips from it's in color 
and then it'll go to black and white, and then it'll go to color, and then it'll go to black and white. And it's just, I thought it was awful. I was, I was thoroughly disappointed. Oh, boy. If. Okay. I was not happy. Keeping with the, the whole X-rated 60s counterculture motif, uh, nice. I saw Fritz the Cat. Ooh. Have, have you ever seen Fritz the Cat? I have not seen Fritz the Cat. Don't bother. <laughs> I, you know, this is this is a really big movie. This is... This was the first X-rated cartoon to ever come out. It was the highest-grossing uh, independent animated film, and it remains the highest-grossing independent animated film. Grossed over hundred million dollars. This movie. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it's. I just, you know, I guess I can respect it on some level for for being kind of a trailblazer, but I I hated the animation. I mean, th- this this is uh, the the animation directed and animated by Ralph um, Bakshi. He's the guy that did Cool World. Cool World. Yeah, he did Cool World, and he did American Pop, which I actually liked American Pop. But uh, this, I just don't like this kind of animation. So that that alone pulled me out of it. Yeah. Uh, but just the, you know, it's it's based on characters by Robert Crumb. He he pretty much disowned the movie. He hated it. And it's just kind of offensive just to be offensive. Mm. Like there's really no substance to this movie. It's just basically Fritz is an NYU student who decides to, that he's tired of his life and goes out on an adventure. And it's, I don't know. (laughs) It's not very funny. It's, borderline racist a lot of it i mean like like the the police officers are are portrayed by pigs uh all the african americans all the black people in this movie are crows oh jeez and yeah so you know there's wow. there's a fair amount of racism a fair amount of uh like sexism a very there there's a particularly disturbing rape scene that happens very violent where this nazi rapes this this woman why why are there nazis they're these biker nazis Uh, it's a rabbit a rabbit biker nazi Uh, okay okay i mean subsequent the the x rating was actually removed after several years i think like maybe like 10 years ago or something mgm removed the x rating it's just unrated now but Yeah, but uh, they they still kind of promote themselves as being X-rated. So I, I can't really recommend it. I just, I didn't like it at all. It was just an awful time. <laughs> uh, just a ter- terrible time. Yeah. Just, terrible 78 minutes. Just did not like it. Um, I saw Rapture Palooza. <laughs> Ooh. Now, <laughs> this is the, I have a feeling that this was amazing. This is the other uh, Apocalypse movie starring Craig Robinson, and it is horrible. Wow. Yeah, it looks it looks awful. There's, I mean, there's some decent people in this. I mean, we have, Yeah, there's actually a lot of people yeah. in this. I mean, we have, like, Anna Kendrick, Thomas Lennon's in it, although he's completely wasted, Rob Corddry, Paul Shear. Anna Gasteyer. Rob Hubel. Rob Hubel, yeah. I like him a lot. 
It's just this unfunny piece of shit. I mean, I would not. It's on demand right now, but I would definitely avoid it at all costs because it's just not funny. I mean, they're just very cheap jokes. and So, Craig Robinson's the Antichrist? Yeah, he's the Antichrist. Oh, there we go. It's stupid. It's, it's just really bad. I, I really, really wish I didn't watch it. Uh, I saw WikiLe or We Steal Secrets, the story of WikiLeaks, uh, which is uh, I have a review for that up on the site, so I'm not going to get into too much detail. I did like it. There were several things that I didn't particularly like about how it was structured. the The director kind of injects himself into it a lot, and I hate when directors do that. Yeah, for some reason, I just I didn't like it because it would be kind of random too, like. He would leave in when he would ask questions sometimes, but it would feel it would feel random, and that gotcha. I wasn't too into that. And he he actually narrates it himself from time to time as well. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was a pretty interesting story. They got into a lot of different aspects of WikiLeaks as far as how it got started and the blowback from WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they they talk to politicians, journalists, people in in the government, various branches of the government, uh, just every. They kind of look at every aspect, and really look at how the WikiLeaks impacted the world, and and that was pretty made made a pretty entertaining movie. Hmm. Hmm. So, I I would recommend it. I would recommend checking it out. There seems to be a lot of WikiLeaks stuff coming out this year, movie-wise. I think that there's actually at least one more documentary that's <laughs> that's coming out about WikiLeaks. And the thing is, in this one, he was unable to speak with Julian Assange. He didn't, because apparently Julian Assange wanted like a million dollars or some ridiculous amount of money to do the interview. Oh. And he was just like, no, we can't can't do that and then and then it was either that or uh he wanted the director alex gibney to tell him give him the raw footage of the other interviews before the movie came out (laughs) it was like either that or a million dollars and he'd do the interview and of course alex gibney's like no way i'm not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) oh jeez yeah, so you know, it, it's overall it's pretty well made. I mean, this is this is the guy who did Enron, the smartest guys in the room, and Taxi to the Dark Side, which were both nominated for Oscars, and I think that he won for Taxi to the Dark Side. I think, mm. pretty sure he won. Um, it's all Hatchet Three. Oh, moving Lucky. on. Lucky, how do you do this? This is a question. That- I, I had. How do I keep this, watching these bad horror we, movies? You do every single week. We do, you know, what we've been watching, and you watch like eight films, and you like like one of them out of eight, but yet you just keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Because you never know, Kevin, when you might find a diamond in the rough. Ah, I just, I. It's like you punish yourself. Well, I was reviewing all week, I, I just reviewed. every week. I was reviewing Hatchet Three, so that one, that one I kind of did. I did that. For, I watched that for two reasons: one, to review it for the site, and two, because I saw the first two, and I, and 
supposedly this is the final one and I just wanted to to see this thing through. And it's better than the second one. I mean, I'll give it that, but it's it's just it's typical. I mean, it is violent. I mean, it is so bloody and gory. So that it has that going for it, but it's really lacking in the story and the acting is horrible. Even though there's a ton of um like horror icons in this movie, it's um it's still pretty bad as far as like the dialogue and everything. Mm. So it if you're if you're a diehard horror fan, yes, go see this. If not, probably not not worth it. I mean, if you like the first two, odds are you're gonna like this one. So, uh, I saw a movie called From the Head, which was um, this was a, a film that was submitted to us. Uh, it's about it's a true story about a men's bathroom attendant in a strip club in New York City. That's that's odd. Me and me and my wife were just discussing this when we were sort of asking ourselves, do they still have bathroom attendants? Yeah, they, they yeah, do. They do. Why? Although, well, I don't understand the point of why is there bathroom attendants? No one wants them. I guess to keep the bathroom nice. I don't know. It's, I don't get it. This did take place in 1995, so it's not like mo- like a modern day thing, but it's actually based on a true story from the... Um, from George Griffiths, who wrote and directed and starred in it. And basically, it's just a really simple film. It's just him uh, going through a a double shift in this as a bathroom attendant, and the kind of people that he meets and the conversations he has with people in a men's bathroom. It was uh, quite enjoyable, surprisingly. Like I, I didn't have any expectations for this movie and I found myself very entertained by it. Hmm. So it's, uh, out on DVD now, I believe. And it's, I think it's on demand as well. So might be worth, uh, checking that one out. And I saw Evocateur, the Morton Downey Jr. Movie. Oh, okay. Now, do you know anything about Morton Downey Jr.? Well, a little bit. Yeah, like I knew I knew a little bit. I mean, I knew about who he was, but I wasn't that familiar with his show or anything like that because that was it was before our our time really. I think that the show was on from like 87 to 89. It was only on yeah. for 2 years, which which surprised me. But this is this I do I do remember seeing, you know, parts of his show. And man, were they ridiculous. Oh my god. That, that that show is insane. Yeah, I mean, like this is years before, uh, you know, Glenn Beck <laughs> and Sean Hannity and Jerry Springer. I mean, this guy. You need to look on YouTube if you're not familiar with this, with Morton yes. Downey Jr. and his his TV show. Basically, he ran a talk show, and he was kind of a pioneer of what we know now, like as far as talk shows go. It was just crazy. But but even even now, even Jerry Springer, like all of them pale in comparison to Morton Downey yeah. Jr. That's that is it is crazy to think that cuz you would think by now that someone would have a show crazier than Morton Downey Jr. show. No. You think. But no, they not yet. I mean, he and would I, he I would, would I would I would hate to see what that is. No, I know. 
I mean, he would frequently, almost every episode, he would get in these insane, like, verbally abusive shouting matches with his mm-hmm. guests. He would kick people off. He would get in fights. He was on the verge of, uh, it looked like he was on the verge of an aneurysm 24-7 yeah. on his show. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. And, he, I mean, he chain-smoked the entire time? Yeah, yeah. He smoked four packs a day. That's, oh, my goodness. That's just... That would explain why he died of lung cancer. Yeah, that makes sense. But that uh, makes sense. the The movie was really good. It had a, a it used a lot of um, animation and stuff. It, it incorporated this really cool looking animation, and they they tried to mix it up. You know, keep it fresh with the storytelling. I mean, obviously there was tons of footage, tons of talking head interviews with his uh, coworkers, producers of the show, family, friends. But it was it was very interesting. I mean, he was quite a character. This guy. Uh, that's all I got. So I think we can go ahead and just hop right on into our first review. I think we'll do this is the end first. Oh, because that came out first. So let's do yeah. Let's do that. Uh, so this is the end. Uh, it's, it's written and directed by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Stars a slew of people: James Franco, Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel, Danny McBride, Craig Robinson. Those are the main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's a shitload of cameos in this movie. We'll go ahead and read the synopsis here. While attending a party at James Franco's house, Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel, and many other celebrities are faced with the apocalypse. That's kind of that's kind of that in a nutshell, isn't it? That's pretty. That's pretty much the film. Uh, so now you you're working on a review for this. Yes. So I'll go ahead and start it off. I was I saw this movie by myself actually, and oh yeah, uh, oh. my girlfriend's out of town this weekend, so I had to go see it by myself. And that's, that's weird. I was a little concerned with. It's weird, wasn't it? No, actually, it wasn't surprisingly um but i was a little concerned about seeing a comedy by myself because normally if i'm by myself i don't really laugh as much or get into it but i'll tell you i was laughing i was smiling the entire movie i was laughing probably 80 percent of the movie i mean this this was to me at least on a personal level this was so fucking funny I was losing my mind <laughs> this movie. I mean, every little line that came out of their mouths, mm, everything. I just, I just have this image of you sitting in an empty theater, just you. Like for some reason, I'm thinking that you saw it by yourself. There's absolutely <laughs> no one in the theater, and you're just chuckling it up, <laughs> slapping your knee. Uh, there was, there's a decent amount of people in the theater, so I wasn't alone. <clears throat> I was I was yeah. joining in on the the laughter with the rest of the crowd. Well, in my head, I'm gonna keep it that you were completely alone. Okay, well that's fine. It, it works better that way. That's fine. Me. As far as the 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 story goes, I mean, I thought that it was it was fine. I t- who, who cares, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, this I was thinking about all the movies I saw this year, so far, and this right now is on my top ten. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. Because at the end of the day, it's... And one of the things that surprised me about this movie was that it was actually 
a pretty heartfelt movie. Like, you know, it's it's a story about friendship in a way, and there was there was a lot to this that I didn't expect. The, uh, yeah, they definitely wanted to su- uh, surprise some territory, uh, story wise for me. You know, when you find out what what they're actually facing and the way that they handle it, it was that caught me by surprise. Yeah, I'm not thinking that they were going to go in that direction. Yeah, there are there are. That's the other thing is that the trailers for this movie don't really they don't give too much away, and I really appreciate that. Because yeah. I didn't really know where this was going to go. I didn't really know what it was about. I mean, from the, judging from the trailers, you don't really know what it is, what's going on. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was kind of interesting. And one of the things, this movie made me jump, like, twice. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it does have some kind of uh, scary elements to it, too. There's there's a couple jump scares in there. Yeah. And they, there's some... You know, it's got a good amount of horror in it. Yeah. There's some disgusting, some really disgusting things. Oh, yeah, it's gory. Yeah. That, like, sort of, that also surprised me. I was not ready for that. It, it felt... Like, oh, shit, okay. It almost... It's, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a lot of things just sort of smushed together. Horror yeah. films, survival films, end-of-the-world films, and there's so many references to, to those films. Oh, yeah. Oh, it just, it all felt very genuine to me. Like, a lot of it didn't feel like it was scripted. I don't know if there was a lot of, like, off-the-cuff type of stuff going on, but it really felt like these guys were just being themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For the I mean, essentially, part. they're just playing, like, uh, their on-screen personalities. Yeah. Just turned up a little bit higher. For the most part. Except yeah. for Jonah Hill, who they they took a different direction with his personality, which I thought was hilarious. How he was like, <laughs> he's, he's America's sweetheart. He's America's sweetheart. God, this is Jonah Hill from Moneyball. <laughs> yes, that's one of my favorite things, and that's the bit that I mean. We always talk about it. I, for us, the funniest things to us in a film is it's always the bickering. It's always the throwaway lines. It's just the small talk. Oh yeah, and, and it, when they do it in this film, it's um, it's just so fantastic. There, I, I was just losing it through the whole gluten thing <laughs> because it's so on point. Yeah, to how people are with their gluten-free diets. Oh my goodness! And the 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 argument between Franco and McBride, it, which seems to last for like twenty minutes, yeah, where they long. just argue. <laughs> They argue about masturbating. It's just I was I just lost it. You can see in that in that scene you can see Seth Rogen laughing. Mm-hmm. You can see there's there was two times that I that I picked out that you can actually see where the the there's a cut and the camera is pointed behind someone and you can see them laughing. You can tell that they're laughing throughout the whole thing, and that uh-huh. I thought that that was just that made it even funnier. And a lot of the cameos were great. I enjoyed uh, Michael Sarah. <laughs> it was like the douchiest I I've love ever it. seen him. And I love that he's drinking a Capri Sun in that one scene. Uh, sip time. Yes. I forgot about that scene. <laughs> well, that, that's the other thing that I wanted to mention. This is a movie that almost demands a rewatch because there's just so much. There's so much stuff that goes on in this movie 
so many little throwaway lines and just these like subtle things like there were just these tiny tiny little things like uh the the scene when jay baruchel pulls out the the bible and just when james franco looks at him and goes you took my bible (laughs) just like just little things like that Uh, and there's you know where they make the the sequel to pineapple express Mm mm-hmm and they're all watching, and they're like, oh, we should make sequels to all of our films. Yeah. And you just see Baruchel go, no one needs a Your Highness too." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I loved, uh, there's also, like I said, the cameos are great. And I love the fact that Jason Segel is essentially making fun of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, my Kevin God. Kevin Hart. Yeah. And Kevin Hart's losing it. And he's like, that's why you guys are number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought and, that was great. It, it was... It was definitely uh, a movie where pretty much everyone made fun of themselves mm-hmm. in one way or another, uh, which was great. You know, and it, it seemed like it would be a really fun movie to make. Like everything about it seemed very fun. You know, like I'd like to hang out with these guys. I'd like to be at one of these parties just because it seems so crazy. And I like the whole uh dynamic that they added in with Jay Baruchel like not liking LA, not wanting to be there. Uh yeah, not really not... getting along with especially Jonah Hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jonah Hill tries so hard to get him to like him. Yeah. It, just, it, it doesn't work out. It was really enjoyable. It's it's also it's really I and this was almost my review. Because this is essentially a very short it sums it up in a nutshell. If you like these guys and you like the characters that they play, you're going to like this movie. If you don't like these guys and you don't like, you know, the other movies that they've done, you're going to hate it. It's as simple as that, really. Yeah, but I don't... It's like, why would they go... If people that don't like these characters, why would they go see this anyway? Exactly. So, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think so that pretty it's, much everyone that, everyone that goes to see this film should like it really i mean it did to me i was a little bit disappointed near the end because it did fall fall into that lull that most comedies do where they focus on moving the story along too much and they sort of forget about the comedy for a while because i mean the comedy really dropped off towards the end well see i didn't i I mean i guess it did to a certain extent but I, that didn't bother me at all because it it felt short like that the the climax I guess is what you're referring to, but that all felt yeah I kinda... just I, I, to me it felt like they just spent too much time on like a showing the destruction b yeah. introducing some things I guess they I, I, I don't want to give it away yeah yeah we're definitely gonna stay away from spoilers um I I think that they needed something big you know as as the climax of the film and they just they added that in and i thought this yeah i i I don't to me i don't need that i could have just watched them just sitting in the house all day (laughs) well i was wondering that was that was all the (laughs) that was where all the the humor was i was wondering for a while if the if the entire movie was just going to be in franco's house i was hoping unfortunately it wasn't I didn't mind the the scene with uh, Jay Browshell and Craig Robinson in the other house and and that type of thing. I did write down some notes. This is I started doing this recently, going to uh, when I go to the theater. But the funny thing about it is, I can't see anything in the theater as I'm mm-hmm. writing these notes down. So, 
a lot of it seems like just completely garbled gibberish, but I'll just write some you're, you're you're able to make some things out. Yeah. Uh Ninja Rapist. I don't know if you if you noticed that when they went to the convenience store there is a billboard <laughs> above the convenience store that said Ninja Rapist. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Uh I wrote Crop Top, the the scene when they were talking about dividing everything equally, and and James Franco says that he wants Craig Robinson's shirt, just the bottom part. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I'm not wearing a crop top in James Franco's house. Uh, uh. I wrote down Terrence Peterson, <laughs> the, name of ter- <laughs> the name of Craig Robinson's flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to look that up. That was the most... Oh, my God. That, I sort of forgot about that. That was the most bizarre thing <laughs> I've ever... <laughs> Why? I don't understand it. Oh, I don't know. And just the fact that he was wearing a towel the entire movie. Because <laughs> he sweats a lot. <laughs> it's, I love that it's embroidered. Yeah. <laughs> and just And, okay, did a quick look real quick. Terrence Peterson is the founder and owner of Hi- Hybrid Light. He designed a solar-powered uh, flashlight. So Terry Peterson getting some love from Craig Robinson. That was so funny. Though. He's a, he's a, he's actually a, it's a you know like a waterproof, shock-resistant, solar-powered flashlight. Hmm. How about that? So, I, I like I love the fact that they you know it's Terrence Peterson now. <laughs> he made the hybrid light. Yeah, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, um, but I can't remember what it was. I liked uh, I liked all the music in this movie. The there were like the s- several of the the montages, like the slow motion montages and stuff. I liked I liked the drug trip scene. Yeah, I wish that lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, I wanted a little bit more of that because I thought that that was really funny. Um, <laughs> there there was a ton of things that I liked that that go into spoiler territory, so. I don't know. It's difficult. Yeah. Difficult to talk about a lot of this stuff. Overall, overall, I would say, yes, go see it. If if you're a fan of 21 Jump Street, Pineapple Express, Superbad, you know, any of those... Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down, go see this movie. You will not be disappointed. I mean, it currently has like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. 85 or 86 so yeah. it's I, I pretty much I, like I want to see it right now. Yeah, I, I just want to watch it again. Now, getting back to Twenty One Jump Street, that was the big, that was the big one of last summer, right? Uh, the beginning of the summer. Yeah. Which Which one do you, which one do you think is better? Hmm. I don't know. I think I would have to rewatch. This is the end. I rewatched Twenty One Jump Street, and that was still, that was still good. Second time around. Which is always difficult for me. It seems like you have to wait like a really long time for me, anyways, to revisit a comedy. Right. Um, mm, they're close. They're definitely close. I might. This is the end. Might be a little bit better. I, I think that I'm. Uh, I'm gonna say this is the end too by a hair. Yeah. Because it, it had more of the comedy that I really enjoy. I mean, just their discussion on gluten alone. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. Gluten. That's the that's the kind of shit I like. 
And I like the uh, I like the James Franco art where he has the the, gi- yeah, the giant painting of <laughs> Seth Rogen. And I, yeah, and Craig Robinson trying to move the giant penis sculpture. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Just go see fact, it. Uh, it's yeah. It's definitely worth seeing. It's probably going to be on my. T- I mean, if if nothing else good comes out this year, it's probably going to land on my top ten. Well, I mean. You know, looking when we were doing the summer blockbuster thing, and I'm, you know, looking through all the films coming out, it doesn't really look like there's that many more comedies coming. Uh, I think this might be the best comedy. World's so, End. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. That one looks good. Yeah, I'm sure that that'll because be it good. pretty much has every single British actor. Yeah. <laughs> that I love, they're all in it. Terrence Peterson, Hybrid Light. <laughs> Terrence Peterson. Get yourself one. All right. Uh, so what are you, what are you giving, this is the end? I gave this is the end, seven and a half. Seven and a half? Okay. Seven and a half. I think that I can, uh, I think. I might, I might, I might go higher. I don't know. I might have to revisit that one. What do you think? I'm thinking eight. Okay. I'm going to give it an eight. I might come around to an eight. I don't know. I'm leaning that way. It's just so funny. Just like, I, I don't know. You reminded me of the Terrence Peterson thing, <laughs> and now that I look it up, I'm so excited by that. It might jump it up to an eight. I, I just I, I have very little negative things to say about the the movie. It just it made me smile and it made me laugh hysterically, even by myself in a movie theater. <laughs> completely alone. Yeah. By the way, Complete, you're completely, completely alone in that theater. Just writing down Ninja Rapist. Uh, one okay. movie that okay. did not make me laugh throughout was our next movie. How's that for a segue? Terrible. Nice. Uh, Man of Steel. This is directed by Zack Snyder, written by David S. Goyer, and some other people. Stars Henry Cavill, Amy <laughs> Adams, Michael Shannon, uh, Russell Crowe, Diane Lane, uh, Kevin Costner, Lawrence Fishburne. Good number of people. I love the fact that you just get like, some other people. <laughs> the fact you know they worked so hard on it. <laughs> it's just spent months and months, and you're like, and eh, other people. Well, the it, sometimes yeah. I get frustrated with these big like superhero movies where there's like 15 writers. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It, it's mainly just it's mainly just David S. Goyer. He's the one that wrote yeah. the screenplay. So that's I mean yeah. uh, Christopher no, Nolan no. is also credited. He helps out a little bit. Yeah, which I'm guessing Nolan just said maybe a bit darker. I'm thinking that that's what he said. Uh, I <laughs> that's all it was. I get a ready credit for that. I'm I have I'm thinking that having Nolan involved in this movie may have proved to be detrimental to it. But let's uh let's get your thoughts, Kevin. What did you think of the Man of Steel or just Man of Steel? Uh, Man of Steel. Let's first I'll say that I know absolutely nothing about Superman. I've never been a fan of Superman. I think he's the dumbest superhero mm. ever. Mm. Um, but I, I I liked it. It's all right. It was en- I had a good time. It was enjoyable. There were some things that I didn't like about it, obviously. But overall, I didn't think it was that bad. Okay. But, you know, I was I was expecting. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what I was expecting because, like I said, I. I I don't like Superman. I have really no expectations for a Superman film. And another thing is, like, I, I don't 
know any of the story. Like, I know some of it, obviously, some of the origin story and other things. So I can't, I can't be that guy that gets pissed off that they don't stay true to the comic book or, you know? Yeah. And I also hate people that do that because, come on, give me a break. There's how many different incarnations of Superman? How many different comic books? Well, that's a... Give, that, me, that, give me a fucking break. It, I'm the type of guy that a film should not be exactly like the source material. It should just have the base to it. That's a... And they can do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the makings of a really... We could, we could have a really in-depth discussion about, about that because I have very specific... Um, opinions about that as well, and well, I, I agree the, with you. The, the only thing that would piss me off is if they were like, "He comes from the planet Saturn." Right? I'd be like, what? Why? Why would you change that? Yeah, and there's there's certain things. I mean, for the most part, I'm actually not very familiar with with Superman either. Uh, but f- for the most part, I believe that this this movie does stay somewhat true to what happened. I'm fairly certain that whatever that what happens to um, Kevin Costner's character in this is not what happens in the comic books. But oh, but he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't stand like a badass. I didn't want to say it because I think that would probably be a spoiler. But yeah, probably. I I was a little disappointed in this movie. I guess despite. Me trying not to, I did get my hopes up for this movie just from the trailers. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that the trailers were incredibly misleading as far as the the visuals of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like all all the stuff in the trailer looks amazing. And that's all that's, that's all that it is there. <laughs> yeah. Like in the movie They don't those, add to that at all. Exactly. Like all of the for the most part, it's fairly colorless. Uh, one one thing that I do want to mention is that it was shot on film, so it did look better than it probably would have if it was shot on digital, just because uh, like the the blacks you know in this are are really black, and I thought that that was that was good. But overall, like during all the fight scenes and stuff, I thought that it was uh, just fairly boring. And the, the uh, main problem that I have with this is I. There was no, like, build-up. There was no, like, reveal, like, slow... I mean, they just jumped straight in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just yeah go for it, but, like, right off the bat. They're like, Superman. I'm like, holy shit. Jesus. It's been, like, five minutes. Everything feels rushed in this movie. And then... And, of course, they jump straight into Lois Lane finding out who he is. I'm like, Jesus Christ. You're not, like, saving anything, are no. you? They're they're throwing all their cards on the table in this yeah. movie. I mean, and then, I mean, the last like forty five minutes of the film is just not. It's just all action. Yeah, which that which you got you got a bit a yeah bit excessive. I found that to be problematic. Where there's this there's a huge fight that lasts for like it it seriously lasts for like twenty five minutes I think, and yeah. and that big fight ends. There's a maybe two minute break and then another fight happens. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Because I found I found all of the action scenes with the exception of the first the first big action scene where he's fighting uh, like the big guy and the girl. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liked that action scene. I thought that was that was cool. But after that, 
I felt like all the action scenes were really generic. And I mean, like in this movie, Superman has like one move. He flies into you and pushes you through a building. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what he does. Like there was no, he, there was no creative use of his powers. I mean, he's Superman. He can, mm-hmm. he can do anything. I, that's the, there's a portion when generals, uh, when he, you know, he loses his helmet mm-hmm. and the world affects him greatly and he gets you know disoriented and everything and i'm thinking just you have laser eyes just shoot him at, shoot him in the face with your laser eyes well it's over that that Do it. that's not that wouldn't be characteristic of him because he doesn't Dude, kill sh- he doesn't kill sh- people so he will let's break this down real quick he doesn't kill people okay but yet you know the number of fatalities that he caused with that fight scene that lasted 40 minutes. Oh, yes. He, he killed <laughs> so many people. Oh, there were fatalities. <laughs> he killed, like, an entire city. Yeah. Because, like just... you said, he has that one move. Yeah. He fucking wrecked that you can't, city. You, you, you can't tell me that when he does that move, he doesn't hit some people on the way. Oh, he <laughs> you know? killed a shit ton of people. Just think of all the people if, in this building. If he did that in real life, when he came out of the building, they would all be just doused in the blood <laughs> of his victims. It's what there should have just been blood pouring out of the windows <laughs> as these buildings, these skyscrapers were toppling. Uh, I mean, because they did, they completely destroyed a city. Oh yeah, just because the, all they do is fly around, just destroy everything. Well, that's I, actually I like the destruction because it was just. There was so much destruction in this movie, and uh, I thought that all of the visual effects looked really good. Yeah, I th- I, I'm, they, he did do a good job of that. I mean, the, the effects of it, that city being destroyed is fantastic yeah. to look at. I, I, and especially, I love the whole the terraforming sequence. Oh, the yeah, the uh, I, I love that effect and the noise that it made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was, that was awesome. However, I am tired of superhero movies having a giant beam of light be the thing that they need to, you know, that, that's the big thing that they're up against. Like, I'm tired of that. We saw that in, like, pretty much every big summer movie last year. Battleship, yeah. Avengers, uh, there's probably many other ones that I'm, not thinking of right now, but the giant beam of light has to stop. I'm done with that. No, you can't be. <laughs> can't be. Um, looks looks wonderful. I I, I do want to say there there were a, overall I did like the movie. I just want to get that out there. But um, there were a couple scenes that that really blew me away. Like the the first scene when he uh, flies for the first time. I thought that that was really incredible. But yeah, he was like. Flying around the world? You talking about that one? Yeah. Where you show them like in the desert. You know? I just thought that, yeah, that, yeah. I that I thought that that was really, really effective. Um, what did you think about the, the camera work? Because this was something kind of interesting. It was almost like they were trying to make. What? Duplass Dupla syndrome? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like Zack Snyder was almost trying to give it like an indie feel. Like I, The thing that it felt for me and. It reminded me of cutscenes in video games. Because video games always seem to do that, like in their little thematic cutscenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where it'll, he just like jolts the camera in real quick. It's not even like a zoom, it just like the camera darts in. Yeah. And then backs out real quick. 
Yeah, that got a little annoying. The thing that I hated the most, though, was the excessive need to show people's faces for no fucking reason. <laughs> I'm not the, sure that I. And then, I'm not no, sure I'll that I picked up I'll, on that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you real quick. Okay, so when Krypton is being destroyed, you know, because of the cores overreacted and it implodes and everything, that looked unbelievable. You know, when they're showing and the, the lot like lava lights or whatever the hell's coming out of the middle of the Krypton, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's destroying everything. Looks amazing, but no, they only show that for like a half a second, and then they cut back to fucking Superman's mom and just focus on her face. Oh, I'm like, I, I, I want to okay. see the. It's like I want to see the world being destroyed. It looks amazing, and then him flying. They have to keep showing his face while he's flying, which just really pissed me off for some reason. I don't need to see him like grinning like an asshole <laughs> while he's flying around. And then when Lois Lane's in the pod thing, going back to earth and they they focus on her face freaking out and it's like yeah i i know i know that she's gonna be freaking out but you don't have to show her face for like two minutes okay yeah i can see that it 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 got excessive i didn't really there were so many there were so many beautiful things that could they could have been showing and they just keep focusing on the characters faces yeah i mean it's definitely it's definitely got an interesting visual style to it I, i think that I mean, that's one thing that Zack Snyder's always been really good at is that he has a knack for for visuals. And I stand by what I said before. I think that the majority of all the action scenes are are pretty drab looking. And I was was literally bored during the action scenes. I got bored. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely got bored with the last one. I mean, I, I really liked it. And then it just, like you said, it's just the one move. Over and over and over. There were over. there are a couple yeah. other nitpicks I have. Uh, first being the there's a scene where uh, Kevin Costner's or um, uh, not Kevin Costner, sorry, Russell Crowe's character is guiding uh, Amy Adams in in this spaceship, and he does he's like opening doors and stuff for, her, but the way that he does it is so ridiculous like it actually made me laugh how he he does these like hand gestures and stuff <laughs> like you don't have to do that man you're you're inside the computer you can just do it like you can just open the door like uh, for some reason that bothered me and they didn't know they had to add that they had to i also felt like almost every character was underdeveloped like we we spent su- such a little amount of time with any of the characters. It felt like we didn't really... Now, maybe they thought that because these are mostly iconic characters that we don't have to get to know them very much. But I felt like like even Superman himself had very little dialogue. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I meant by earlier. I mean, they just jumped straight in. It's like, oh, okay. I thought this was going to be more of an origin story, but... I mean, they just, like you said, they put all the cards on the table within, like, five, ten minutes. And it's almost to the point where I'm like, oh, how, how are you going to fight? What's what's left? What are you, you going to do for the, if you're going to do a next one? I'm sure that they're going to introduce Lex Luthor in the next one. I mean, yeah. I mean, you had a couple little, you know, he throws the Lex Corp tanker. Did you? Okay. Th- this is, uh, I'm sure that I probably could have found this out online, but... Did you notice uh, 
this there's a specific scene involving a satellite did you see any uh logo on the satellite that said like wayne enterprises or anything like that because apparently that was like a little easter egg but i didn't uh, see it. no I, I didn't see that i saw what the like i said the lex yeah the lex corp thing that was and pretty the utopia casino when they were like fighting oh yeah 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 and then yeah that's and of course i love how they just kept showing the smallville like it just in case you didn't catch it the first time i love it just kept i love how they everywhere i love how they kept showing ihop and sears (laughs) (laughs) god almighty there is some there is some heavy product placement in this Mm -hmm. movie i also and i mean this is one of the main reasons i don't like superman to begin with i just love the fact that he he throws glasses on and no one knows who the fuck he is well you know that's the whole (laughs) that's just the shtick i think it's the thing is i think if they change that People would be pissed. Oh yeah, people would people would lose it. Fanboys would completely lose their shit. I just also hate the fact that he renders all superheroes useless. I mean, he's fucking indestructible. Yeah. Um. Part. My my cousin, who is a, a big comic book fan, often argues with people about Superman and and how people don't like him because he's overpowered. He's ridiculous. He he always argues with people about that because. Essentially, in the Superman comic books, he fights people that have the ability to take him down. So, whereas Batman is fighting the Joker, who is essentially a normal person on the same level as Batman, Superman will be fighting someone like Zod, who is basically his equal. So, it's not like, you know, in the comic books, he is fighting people that that do have the ability to, to kill him. Yeah, but at the same instant, the the way well, yeah, I mean, it a, is a certain a way a certain person is dispatched of in this film, right? It is it's, it's it's sort of like, are you serious? They also you didn't for forty minutes, and that's how you end it. They also didn't really uh, get into the fact that he has like cold breath, like he can breathe cold. They didn't do that. I thought they were gonna do that in one specific part, but they didn't. At the end, I was, I was hoping, I was hoping that there would be Nuclear Man. <laughs> That's really so hoping. Awesome. It's really hoping for Nuclear Man. It's really disappointed that there wasn't. What did you think about Henry Cavill as as the new Superman? I thought he, I thought he was alright. Yeah, I thought he was okay yeah. too. I don't. I could be wrong, but I never thought that Superman really had a personality to begin with. Uh, so it's not like he has to be like an extremely complex. Well, because we didn't really get to see him as the kind of goofy Clark Kent uh, in this movie, I I think that, I don't know, maybe, I think that that's maybe something that we'll have to see in the next one, but I thought he was fine. I didn't have an issue with really any of the performances, except Russell Crowe, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I like Russell Crowe, but I, I for some reason, there were certain, not, not his performance, like, overall but there were just certain parts that i was just like all right it he yeah i have to agree he sort of came off silly they were just i guess that's kind of a nitpick because it it didn't really bother me overall there were just some parts um 
<laughs> I do love the hand gestures. <laughs> Open that door. <laughs> like, are you serious? Yeah. So, uh, what do you what do you think in score wise on Man of Steel? I'll I'll, mm. I'll say uh, I'm gonna give it a six and a half. Six and a half, or maybe a six. Six or six and a half. I was thinking I'm, I'm like flipping between. I'm like a seven. Nice. I think I this. Is the, I think that we just set a precedent here. You liked a superhero movie more than me. Yeah, and I mean, and I, I think that's the main part of it is because I don't like Superman that much. You know, you know, like the comic book version, just the overall idea of Superman. I don't like. I said, I, I sort of hate him, really. <laughs> so, the uh, fact that I enjoyed myself, I think, made me like it a little bit more because my expectations were really fucking low. Yeah, I guess that's uh, that. That could be why, because mine were a bit higher. I, I try and, not to get excited about this movie. And the, but... there's one other uh, scene that I want to nitpick that really pissed me off. Is the, you know they're in their little command center, the the soldiers and everything, and they get, when the guy realizes what the two machines are doing in tandem and how they're terraforming, I hate the fact that there's a f- oh, there's always there's always some fucking soldier there, and then, of course it's. A young woman this time around. She's like, "What's that? <laughs> like, how the fuck are you in that room? Yeah, you can't like piece together. You should not be there." Yeah, that that girl bothered me a lot. That's the same girl that was like, "He's kind of hot." I know. It's <laughs> yeah. like, how the, how the fuck are you that high up in the military? Well, the that that was kind of one thing they did. They did take a darker uh, tone with this movie and. I don't know if it necessarily matched the whole Superman, you know, thing. It wasn't very funny, which uh, I think a lot of people are having some issues with. And mostly, yeah. usually superhero movies try to inject at least some humor to lighten it up a bit. And th- I feel like that this movie took itself a little bit too too seriously. There are a few jokes here and there, but, you know, nothing really significant. Well, it's... Yeah, none of none of the jokes worked. No, but also at the same time, there's not that much dialogue. It's mostly just him flying around and flying through buildings and yeah. killing thousands, <laughs> killing on <thousands>. thousands. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I, I don't know. Right, everyone. Right now, I'm I'm sitting at like a I'll say like a six and a half. I think that that's I think that that's actually what we gave it on this on uh, in our review. We had Ernie I, Ernie review it. I would like there to be, like, if they make a second one, if they do go, like, extremely darker, I would like that and show, like, the dark side of Superman, like, all the people that he's killing. <laughs> there is a comic book series called um, Irredeemable, and it, it basically does take a look at that. Uh, there's a, a character that has all the same powers as Superman. It's on a, I think, I can't remember who puts it out. I think Image puts it out, maybe. I might, I might have to read that one. Oh, but it basically he just gets fed up with people constantly. Because you know, if Superman was real, there'd be always people that would be like coming, lashing out against him because he didn't save their family mm-hmm. from this or that or whatever. Yeah, like he can't be everywhere at once. And this in this comic book, Irredeemable, it, it starts to weigh on him, and he basically drives him crazy and so he just starts going on this 
insane <laughs> killing spree. <laughs> I mean, he like destroys entire cities. <laughs> really good, really uh, good uh, comic book. Oh my! There you have it. I would recommend going to see Man of Steel. Definitely, definitely go see it. Yeah, definitely, definitely do it. All right, do let's... you think they're gonna? Do you think they're gonna do a Supergirl? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> uh, uh, let's Superhero? Wonder Woman. Well, Wonder, Wonder Wonder Woman. They've been trying to do that for a while, but that never seems to get off the ground. They did a pilot for a, a TV series, Wonder Woman TV series, and that never made it made it to series. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what's going on with DC in general, really. Just aren't they? They're talking about Justice League, right? Well, it's or is uh, that actually happening? Well, I don't know. They're, I think that they're trying to make it happen, but I think that it's still kind of up in the air. And they, yeah, they shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Well, they need don't. to do something. They're gonna, stop it. They need to do something. Stop. Stop it. Stop it with all the superhero movies. That's another thing that pisses me off. Justice League. Like fucking Superman. Needs Talk about leave. overpowered. <laughs> Jesus. Like, like any of those guys can help out Superman? Superman doesn't need fucking help. Well, normally normally in the Justice League, Superman isn't in it until they get into like some... Re- <laughs> some... He, he, has to, he has to bail him yeah, out. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. Like, that's... they call Superman in to bail him out. That's ridiculous. All right, let's go ahead this... and talk about our predictions. Uh, this is the end. I said 80, you said 82. Actual Rotten Tomatoes score, 85. Nice. Man of Steel, uh, I said 86. You said 74. Actual, 57. Oh, wow. Ouch. Ouch. It's pretty much dividing critics, like right down the middle. Some people are loving it. Some people are hating it. Nice. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that, too. Uh, Next week, we have World War Z. I'll go ahead and start it this week, and I'm going to guess... 64. So fucking sick and tired of this movie. <laughs> uh, it's like I've been hearing about it for like three years. I'm going to say, what do you give it at 63? 64. Right? 64. Hmm. I'm going to say like 60, 68. All right. Now we have Monsters University. Big one. Big one indeed. Hmm. been hearing really good things about this. Yeah, I think I'm gonna say like 88. I'm gonna say 92. Oh, I'm all I'm all eights here. All eights. Yeah, I, I got an eight thing going on. <laughs> uh, limited release. We have we also have Maniac, which is the Alexander Aja produced film, the remake, which I was able to check out. I'll have a review up next week. I liked it. Thought it was pretty good. I love me some remakes. This one's it's it's a lot different, and I'll I'll talk about it more next week, but uh, it's worth checking out. Haunting of Helena, which is another horror movie that's kind of about the tooth fairy. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Yeah. You gotta be fucking shitting me. I'm pretty sure that's the one. Wow. And then we also have the Alex Winter documentary downloaded, which I would like to check it's that out. It's amazing. Oh, I did want to mention, I got the, for the first time ever, I saw a, a trailer for Grown Up 2, Grown Ups 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, why do those actors hate us so much? Oh, no. Why, why are they doing that to America? 
I have. Why would they do that to the world? You mean to tell me that you think the Grown Ups Two is not going to be amazing? That was. It, it was easily the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember I saw Grown Ups One, and I remember laughing at a few parts. So you know, I don't know what that says about me. But the, I mean, I that trailer, that is like the worst trailer I've ever seen. Well, it looks like every other Adam Sandler movie where you have like some sort of like goofy, like kind of gross out thing with the, 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 what was it? Like an elk or something that pissed on his face or moose. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I did uh, Pacific Rim. That's, that's just like, they don't make a, I don't think they make a screen big enough for that movie that just looks insane i cannot wait for Pacific Rim. just it looks so big i can't wait for elysium and pacific room i think they need both they need to make a they need to come out with a new screen to show pacific the, pacific rim, rim screen you know it'd be cool yeah. though like it, i know like a skyscraper it'd be just make the whole side of a skyscraper screen it'd be cool if it was like a regular size screen right but it was like the the height of the screen was like a hundred feet tall. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then like during the scenes where they show the, uh, the, the Kaijus and the Jaegers, I think that that's what they're called. Like when they show them like walking, it's on the giant screen. I think that'd be awesome. It'd be amazing. Wait, ah, you blew it. You blew it. Hollywood. <laughs> you blew it. Hollywood. Way to go. All right, let's talk about some DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for Tuesday, June 18th, 2013. 21 and over. What? I was going to say another great day. Yeah. 21 and over. um, No interest. Skip it. Skip it. Brass Teapot, which uh, I I know very little about. I think that it's probably not very good. I'm going to guess skip it. Yeah. Jack the Giant Slayer, skip it. Skip it. Last Exorcism Part 2, skip it. <laughs> oh my god. Movie 43, skip it. American Mary, watch it. Watch it. Yeah, I would. I recommend checking that Dude, out. Dude, I, I do want to see that. I don't know if you'll like it. Eh, yeah, we'll see. We'll I see. don't think you'll like it, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Quartet, uh, I don't know too much about this movie, but I heard it wasn't good. So Yeah, I, I heard a lot of bad things. Yeah. Uh, Come Out and Play, that's a horror movie that I hated, so skip that one as well. And Stoker, check that one out. Stoker. It's a really... That's it. That's all you got. Yeah, really, as far as new movies, American Mary and Stoker, I would I would recommend. Uh, Criterions, yeah. anything? There's actually three. Uh, Safety Last, which is a, a comedy from 1923. Yay. <laughs> sounds, uh, like, sounds like it's going to be a laugh riot. Yeah. Uh, Things to Come, which is a film from 1936 by uh, written by H.G. Wells, the sci-fi film. And this is, I want to see this because William uh, Cameron Menzies, the director of Things to Come, is apparently like the greatest set designer ever. So I'm interested to see it. And there's a Czechoslovakian film from 1967, Marketa Lazarova. So, yeah, there you go. All right. All right up your alley. Yeah, sounds amazing. (laughs) 
Alright, well, I think that that wraps it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Terrence Peterson, Hybrid Light.